hey, hey, what's going on, folks? Pete Davidson back with a fresh version of the Rotobomb podcast. It's late Sunday morning. You guys will be getting this probably early Sunday afternoon. Uh, this is going to be a quick one. Uh, no whiskey. Just uh, just a good old Rotobomb podcast. Uh, we're going to get into this draft that I did on Friday night. Had a really good time. Uh, it was nice to get those fantasy endorphins popping, you know? Um, I really needed it. It's... Uh, the only thing bad about it is that now I want to do another one, and I don't know how many of these 350 entry fees I can really afford. I'm a family man, damn it. Uh, but anyway, really was a good time. I'd like to thank the folks at Roto World for hosting uh, and covering it. I'd like to thank the folks at FFPC uh, for having such a cool tournament. I'd like to thank Todd from Tampa. Um, from Excuse me, Todd from Tampa. PA Todd, excuse me, um, for inviting me to participate. Um, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to just sort of walk through this draft board. You can see a link to the draft board uh, in the body, the copy. Just look down and you will find a link to the draft. If you're having trouble there for some reason, you can find it on my timeline on Twitter. Um, it was a 12-teamer. Uh, it's a tight end premium scoring, and it's a funky format. Single QB, by the way, and it's a funky format in that it's an 11-week regular season, uh, a quick playoff structure, and then there's a huge tournament that takes place in the last few weeks. So you're sort of trying to, you know, win your league typically on a short track, and then if you do really well and you win, you get into the bigger part of the mix. So um, it's it's got layers of strategy. Um, and some folks will probably decide to focus on different elements, uh, which makes it really interesting. Um, uh, in the top spot, we had uh, Nelson Sousa. Uh, I think, I'm not sure how I pronounced Nelson's last name. Sorry, Nelson. Correct me on that if I got it wrong. Um, Nelson's like a big-time drafter. He's one of the best high-stakes players around. Uh, and I think his draft showed a lot of that. Um, a lot of those fantasy smarts that we know he possesses. Uh, I, you know, I definitely like what he did, and I like he seemed to be a little bit in both camps, which is fine. It makes perfect sense. You know, he put a solid team together, but he took, you know, an upside swing here and there. One of them fairly early, I think, to give him a chance to turn into the kind of team that could make a deep run in the larger event. Um, you know, obviously he's got the top spot, so he could have taken McCaffrey or Barkley and looked great. He chose McCaffrey. Um, Odell Beckham broke my heart when he took Odell Beckham last pick of the second. I was hoping to take Odell in the third. Um, Mike Evans was his other pick. DJ Shark in the fourth. Kareem Hunt in the fifth, as I mentioned. That's the, the, the swing at a potential upside. If something happens to Chubb and his two-back is Kareem Hunt, full workload with McCaffrey, Beckham, Evans, Shark, uh, he could be an unstoppable force. So... Definitely took a chance there, because there were, I think, significantly higher floor players available. Um, but there's a real advantage to having ceiling in this format if you can make a run. And, you know, look, Nelson's got a strong top four. He knows he's a good drafter. He knows he's going to make good picks the rest of the way. Um, so I can really see why he took Hunt uh, there. Now, for those of you who were listening the other night, you know, I was trying to sell Hunt in round six to Scott Barrett, and Scott wasn't really biting. Um so this is a player we can see. Smart people can disagree a lot in terms of where, uh, in terms of where he should be uh, getting taken. Uh, overall, I like Nelson's team. I think he did a really good job. Uh, I don't like Tom Brady uh, as a QB one, but you know, hey, it doesn't mean I'm right. First of all, and second of all, I think look at that Tom Brady pick within the context of him having Mike Evans giving himself a hookup. 
um, which I think is good. And then the other pick that it that you know he made, and this is you know, right back to Scott Barrett. This is when Scott Barrett was telling us that you know he thinks sharks are going to take uh, Antonio Brown in those mid rounds. Nelson is a shark, and he did just that. So if Brown hits and Kareem Hunt hits, he can miss on one of his other top four players, and he'll still have an absolute monster team. So I like what Nelson did. Um, let me see anything else that really jumps out there. I don't really like Jeffrey this year, but getting him in the 15th round, there's no way you can really knock that. Uh, I thought the Benny Snell pick was uh, was actually pretty solid. I think he's just an underrated guy. Everybody, everybody doesn't like him because he's big, slow, and he plods. But you know what? In Pittsburgh, you can get a lot of carries doing that. So... Um, you know, we know that the I know that the rookie is raw, may not hit this year, and um, you know it's, <laughs> I mean it's no secret that James Conner's had some trouble staying healthy. So uh, I, I think the Snell pick has some real upside too. Um, Nelson, sharp drafter and a sharp draft. Um, I also liked uh, Chris Herndon in the eleventh in the tight end premium scoring. Uh, moving over to Todd from PA. Um, Todd had a good draft. Um, I mean, Saquon Barkley, obviously you can't knock it. Todd Gurley, towards the end of the second round, solid value. DJ Moore in the third, solid value, although you do have that week 13 bye, um, so there's some issues there. Le'Veon Bell, late fourth, so he's got three volume backs, plus DJ Moore, taps into the tight end premium with Darren Waller in the fifth, gets value with Diggs in the next round. I think he got value with Damian Williams in the seventh. And I think at that point, Todd may have been so happy with value that he he reached for Michael Hardman, which I really do think was a reach. Um, and you know what? And I say that <laughs> because I'm a little pissed off that I didn't get to take him where I wanted him. I, as some of you may know, I was targeting Hardman a few rounds after uh, the spot where Todd took him. So um, it's possible I may have to readjust, not necessarily where I'm taking Hardman, because I don't see myself taking him that high, to be honest. Um or at least not very often. And, and Todd had his reasons, I think. Um, but what I have to do is adjust to know that if I'm in a sharp draft, there's a good chance that Harbin isn't going to be there for me where I want him. Um, and that was a theme in this draft. A lot of guys where I've been getting them much later in mock drafts, and they're all off the board by the time I want to take them. This is the kind of thing that happens to you when you are in a room with very confident, sharp drafters. They're more willing to lean in and take ADP, just crinkle it up and throw it in the trash. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so Hardman didn't love, but I love the player. Um, and he certainly was in a position to take that chance. Um, but for example, he took Mike Williams in the 10th. I, I have trouble taking Hardman over Williams. Um, just because I think Williams, ha I, I feel like Williams could be a breakout guy this year without anything weird happening. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn he took in the 9th. Uh, I'm not a Keyshawn Vaughn guy. Um, rookie, uh, the underrating element with Ronald Jones. Um, and then Todd also took Doyle and Ebron. Uh, those are okay. Tight end premium justifies it. I like A.J. Dillon in the 13th. Um, I, you know, he does need to sort of hope Rodgers does well, although you will be able to go to uh, the wire and get QBs in this league. Only six teams double up on quarterbacks, me being one of them. Talk about that later. Um, the rest of his team, good stuff. Brian Edwards, Corey Davis, Devin DuVernay, all guys with some nice ceiling, and he got them late. Um, so I would say overall, Todd had a... A positive draft. I think he did well. Um, uh, Vlad up in the three hole. 
Um, you can follow him at Rotogut on Twitter. He's a big-time player. Uh, Kamara, no push, no problem there. Godwin, late second, no problem there. James Conner in the third. That's a little bit ahead of where I've been seeing him going, uh, and I was bummed because Conner was a guy I was planning on taking about five picks later if I didn't get Beckham. Um, and, you know, I was really hoping to get either Mark Andrews, James Conner, or Odell Beckham uh, with my third-round pick. They all went ahead of that, and I ended up settling for Allen Robinson, which is okay. I'm okay with that. Um, so, Vlad with Kamara, Godwin, James Conner, Robert Woods in the fourth. Really like what he's doing at this point. Uh, Singletary, I'm not, you guys know, I'm not a huge fan of Singletary, um, and I think he's risky, but in the fifth, it's pretty tough to knock. I mean, that's, that's a solid pick. Hunter Henry in the sixth, very good. Fant in the seventh is okay. Slayton in the eighth is obviously a guy he believes in because I think he's a, you know, Slayton lasts longer than that. But again, this is that kind of draft. Ronald Jones in the ninth, I love. Sanders in the tenth, I love. Howard is late as the eleventh round, I like quite a bit. Kenneal Harry, upside. Uh, Daniel Jones is a very popular pick among Sharks, which makes me scared because I am not high on him because I don't trust the offense yet. Um, I don't think he's going to run as much this year. I've got some concerns with Daniel Jones for fantasy. Uh, um, Greg Olson, it'll, you know, that, very interesting what's going on in Seattle with the tight ends. Um, D.D. Westbrook in the 15th, good. Hunter Renfro in the 16th, good. Uh, Ty Montgomery in the 18th uh, was a little bit of a snipe. I was hoping to get him. So overall, I think Vlad did well. Um, let's move over to CJ in the four spot. <laughs> a lot of people having a problem with CJ's draft. And look, it's obvious why people um, were a little mortified uh, by what CJ did. But, I mean, really, in all honesty, I think this is a, you know, if there's one team in this draft that I think, like, the average fantasy player could really learn something from, I think it's CJ's draft because it was confident, it made sense, and I think people are. This is where people get so caught up in value and groupthink and AD, and ADP that they forget about team building. So what CJ's draft is an example of is really good team building. Now he may have gone out of order on a player here or there because he likes the player a lot, but Miles Sanders was look. Miles Sanders wasn't going past eight or nine. I mean, unless somebody I liked even more slipped, I was probably going to take him at eight. If I didn't get him at eight. I'm, I know that John and Ian were taking them at nine. So Miles Sanders went in, in the wrong place in the first round in a lot of people's eyes. People couldn't get over the fact that you would take him over Zeke. Now, if I'm CJ, who do I take? I, I do take Zeke, but it's just not as much of a blowout as people think. And here's the thing, and I'm, I'm taking nothing but a stab in the dark here because I have not talked to CJ since this draft. Um, I mean, he and I are friendly, but we're not buds or anything, okay? Um... Here's what I saw when he took Sanders. A, have a little fun, okay? But B, and I think B is more important, I think what he's doing is he's saying, yeah, I get that maybe week 1 through 11, Elliot probably, on average, will be better. What he's thinking here, I, I, I have a pretty good feeling this is, and maybe he wasn't thinking it consciously, maybe he was thinking it subconsciously, but I think what he's thinking is Sanders is younger, he's got fresh legs, and this thing is going to be about weeks 12 and 13, 14 and 15 and 16. He, you know, CJ wants to put together a team that has mega high-end potential down the stretch, and I think with Sanders as a guy where even if he gets a big workload this year, 
it's going to be the first one he's ever had. He is, of a, you know, if, if you look at all these backs up top, he might be the one who's going to be freshest down the stretch. He's going to be in a team that's really competing against some good competition for playoff spots. I don't see Miles Sanders as a guy who's going to get rested. I see him as maybe a guy who's going to be peaking in the second half of the season. So I think he's a uniquely strong running back for this format. Okay, so in my opinion, the Sanders picks makes even if you don't, even if it's not what you would have done, I think it makes sense. Uh, then he comes back in the second with Aaron Jones. You know, similar kind of player in terms of yeah, we can't like. We can't put a workload in in ink, but we know he's good. We know he's going to be the lead back. Um, and Aaron Jones, late second to me, is, is a no-brainer. Now, no one's really giving him a hard time on that one. Andrews, I think, caught a couple people off guard. But, man, in, in this draft, in this scoring format, that's exactly where he should go. Uh, Raheem Mostert in the fourth. There's a, there's a, a, you know, a, a flag plant. You know, that's about 10 picks earlier than I think most people think he would go. But, you know, if I if you ask me which running back would you take off of San Francisco, it would be Mostert. Uh, and then you say, well, and then you said, hey, Pete, who are the best running teams in the NFL? Uh, give me the top five. Well, San Francisco is going to be in that top five. So even if you think they're going to be an ensemble group, even if you think Mostert is a little bit unproven, you're still getting the best back on one of the best running teams, and you're getting them in the fourth round. So I just can't argue with the pick. Um, Cortland Sutton in the fifth. Again, he's... Sutton probably doesn't, probably shouldn't be on the board at that point. Good value, so that's making up for some of the, the you know if you think he reached, I think Sutton makes up for some of it. Come back to Gasecki now. Gasecki's another one where I saw people going, "What Gasecki?" I mean, Mike Gasecki in the sixth round of a tight end premium draft. I, I just don't have a problem with it. Now, why would you take him over Hunter Henry? Well, uh, Hunter Henry doesn't have rivers anymore, and Hunter Henry hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think that's the reason you do it. The other reason is he believes in Gasecki. Now, I mean, Gasecki, I can see some ways where Gasecki goes wrong or it doesn't happen for him. But by and large, you know, the guy runs pretty good routes. He catches everything. Um, you know, the only thing he lacks is, is pop is, is, you know, you know, he doesn't get out of breaks really well. Um, he will have to make a, a fair amount of contested catches, but he's good at it. So, and you know, he's really going to be like the, the two, three option in that offense through the air. So, uh, in tight end premium scoring, I can't knock Mike Gusecki. I really can't, um, you know. Should he have taken Gronkowski? I don't know. You could make the argument, but I don't know what Rob Gronkowski we're going to see this year. Um, you know, Noah Fant, some people maybe wanted, or Jared Cook, or the guy I took, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, yeah, you can make arguments for those guys, but the point is you can make arguments for Gusecki too. I mean, I would have taken Hawkinson, but you know what? A lot of people would have told me I'm crazy. So, you know, this is a draft where you have to respect the fact that people are going off their evaluations, okay? Um and then you know, again, for all the th- for all the things you might rip on for CJ's draft, AJ Green in the seventh. That's that's amazing to me. I love AJ Green in the seventh. So you know, uh, I, I sort of like what he did. Um, I think his team is volatile. There, there's risk. Uh, you, it could easily go wrong. But if he's right on Sanders and if he's right on Gasecki, and if AJ Green doesn't get hurt, that's going to be a really good team. It's going to be a really good team. So I, I, I think people are judging CJ based on a couple picks that are outside the box rather than looking at the team he constructed. I think look at the look at the hole in a draft like this. Don't, don't sit there and highlight, you know, 
a person's greatest hits or greatest misses. Look at the hole. It's much more important. Um, okay, next up in the five hole is uh, Martin. You can you can follow him uh, on Twitter at AustinRMartin84. Um, strong draft. Uh, Zeke 5, obviously, just very solid. Julio in the second round, solid. Melvin in the third, solid. A.J. Brown in the fourth, solid. DJ, D, DK Metcalf, fifth, solid. Hilton, solid. Marquis Hollywood Brown, solid. So seventh round, through seven picks, this guy's just killing. Okay, he's killing. Now, he doesn't have a tight end. He only has two running backs. I, you know, you could get get down on that. He ends up having to go with Goddard in the ninth, then Dawson Knox and Will Disley. Um, so tight end could be a problem for him. This isn't a trading league. He won't be able to use his um, receiver depth to fix that problem. Um, yeah, I like what he did at quarterback. He waited and he got two solid guys. Uh, I would say this. I would say that Martin has a better chance of winning after the draft than he did walking into the room, um, if you assume 1 in 12 chance for each drafter. So I think he had a good draft. Um, it really, just the tight end is the problem I see. And I don't even know. I mean, if Dallas Goddard hits, it won't be a problem at all. Um, so, you know, running back, really strong top two. Um, and then he's got, you know, he's got uh, Chase Edmonds, who could be a big hit if something goes right for him there, and Eno Benjamin. So he's sort of... If anything goes wrong with Kenyon Drake, he gets himself a third starter. There's a lot of ways uh, where this team can do really well. Um, and, you know, I, I think a couple ways where things can go south. But uh, I, I'd be sort of surprised if this team wasn't in the chase uh, for one of the playoff spots. Uh, so, so good job, on, um, Martin. Good job. Um, team six, uh, Joe Pano and, Br and uh, Connor Allen. Interesting draft. This might be one of the more interesting teams uh, out there. If this was a trading league, I think they've got it. I think they have the team. It's not a trading league, so they're going to have to wait for this team to organically turn into what they want it to be. I think that's sort of the, the drama point. That's where the rubber sort of hits the road. Um, you know what, what you like about this team is obvious. Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards-Solaire, Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins carry on. Um, Rashad Penny. Now, w w what's interesting is with that kind of strength of the running back position, they really don't know what the two running back spots going to look like probably uh, until one of these rookies establishes something or if they catch a break and carry on Johnson's getting the work early in Detroit. They do have a little bit of an RB depth issue until these rookie running backs start producing. Obviously, if they're producing out of the gate, this team has a chance to be an elite team or the elite team. Uh, the running backs, excuse me, the wide receivers, I mean, you know, they, they, they're three rookies at the back end. Um, but, you know, Juju, McLaurin, and Tyler Boyd, that should get it done. Um, so I, I don't think wide receiver is a problem for them. I think they did fine there. Um, tight end is not a strength, uh, but they've got Deshaun Watson at quarterback. This team, I think, definitely did well. Um, but the lack of trading, I think, hurts them more, I think, than some of the other teams. So that's probably the best way you can say it. Um, but like Martin, I think they have a better odd, you know, they have better odds of winning now than they did walking in. So uh, nice work uh, to Connor and Joe. Um, in the seventh hole, we've got Chris Allen. And. I'm looking at Chris's team now. Chris is obviously a sharp dude. Um, the you know the receivers on this team are just like 
crazy rock solid. Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Lockett, Marvin Jones is a steal in the eighth, in my opinion. Uh, John Brown underrated in the twelfth. Alan Lazard, you're getting some targets, potential touchdown uh, production. James Washington probably a little underrated, uh, and even Tyrell Williams in the tenth, in the twentieth. So nice, solid running backs. Uh, excuse me, receivers. Uh, running backs is where things need to work out for Chris. Chubb obviously should be fine. Chris Carson in the hip in the third. If it's healthy Chris Carson, that's solid. If if things take time, he's going to need either Swift or Mack or Armstead to work out um, in the interim. So running back could be a little bit of a problem early on. Um, but, you know, not bad. Not, not Nothing too bad. And then tight end, I like what he did. He didn't use any premium picks, but he got two guys you can start every week, in my opinion, in Jared Cook and Ian Thomas. Um, I think that's going to work out for him just fine, especially when you look at what he paid. Um, so, you know, this is a good, solid team for Chris. Um, I'm trying to figure... I mean, the, 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 I think Chris's problem actually is sort of similar to my problem, which is that he may lack upside punch where he can get it Sort of similar to me as if some of these running back, like if Swift works, then that's not going to be an issue. If Ryquel Armstead hits, that's not going to be an issue. Um, I love his quarterback, uh, Josh Allen in the tenth. That's that's about pin high for how you want to play a quarterback position in this draft. Um, I'm going to skip me and go to nine. Uh, John and Ian, now give these guys credit, they were working, <laughs> Ian was pounding wine, John was working all the technicalities of the Twitch broadcast, and they still drafted a good team. So right there, give them a little credit. Um, uh, Kelsey in the first and tight end premium, there's no way to knock it. Uh, Eckler a little earlier than I have him, but there's no way to knock Eckler uh, when you need a running back in that spot. Galladay, plenty of volume in the third, solid. Ridley in the fourth, I think, is stealing. David Montgomery, shame on me. I probably should have taken Montgomery over Ingram, get that in a second. Um, so good, solid volume at running back without paying a premium price. Locked in with a stud tight end and tight end premium. Good, solid one-two punch at receiver. Prescott in the sixth locks them in at quarterback. Uh, Deontay in the seventh might be a touch higher than I like him, but love the player. Just love him. Uh, Breida, Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray, good, solid upside running backs. You probably need some scenario help with these guys. You need some things to break right, but they all have, um, I mean, high upside. Breida, if, if he can take the gig, could be a full-time running back. Could be. Probably not. Could be. Coleman, obviously, for all the reasons we like San Francisco running backs. Latavius Murray, Scott Barrett talked about it on this podcast just a couple days ago. The upside he has if there's an injury. Uh, Rieger, swing it upside, which I like. Boston Scott, you guys know I love. Um, Pittman, Deshaun Jackson, Denzel Mims, that's upside, upside, upside. Uh, Damian Harrison, DJ Dallas, Randall Cobb, Jake Elliott. Uh, this is a good team. This is a good team. Um, you know, if if they have an well, no, nah, actually, you know what? I think those the running back, all the upside guys they took. Yeah, these guys did fine. I like this team. This is a good solid team. Um, and now we're getting to team ten. Ryan, and you can follow Ryan at F F L I N X. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talking that Ryan's team might be the best. You can count me in among that. I really like the way he drafted. Um, and he's the one person who is in my boat where we both, Mahomes and Jackson, slipped you know pretty far past their, their ADPs, and we decided to snatch those guys up. 
It does give you a challenging draft the rest of the way. I think Ryan responded here. First of all, Derrick Henry, Jacobs, Fournette, man, that's a lot of volume in the first three rounds at running back. He doesn't need to take another running back if he doesn't want to, for crying out loud. Uh, then you you lock in Mahomes, and your first four picks are awesome. Keenan Allen in the fifth. I don't care who his quarterback is. There's no way to knock Keenan Allen in the fifth. Um, Higby in a tight end premium in the sixth, no problem. Landry Edelman, seventh and eighth, not bad. Janu Smith, upside in a tight end premium. Jamison Crowder, that broke my heart in the tenth. He would have been my next pick. Uh, McFarland, upside. Uh, Golden Tate. Golden Tate might be a little bit of a roster clogger, but the thing is, he needs the receivers. Like, like for for Ryan, a roster clogging receiver really isn't a roster clogging receiver because he needs receivers at this point. Um, uh, Josh Kelly, not my favorite guy, going to be honest there. Jamal Williams, don't think he got enough upside with that pick. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm totally nitpicking. Drew Brees is a QB2. Um, great value in the 15th round. Justin Tucker, the best kicker. Chris Thompson, really nice value in a PPR league. Uh, Kenny Stills in the 18th, love it. Steven Sims, it's very solid in the 19th. And a good defense with his last pick. So he did so many things right in this draft. Um, you know, where... Ryan's team will go wrong will simply be if he doesn't get enough production out of his receivers. You do have injury risk with pretty much every receiver he took, save for Stills and Sims. We know Keenan Allen's got some injury stuff, although that's died down. Let's at least mention that. Um, but Landry, Edelman, Crowder, Tate, you got some injury risk there. I don't think there's any question. So I think that's where Ryan, uh, if things don't work out, I think that's probably why. But if I had to pick a favorite team, I think... It's probably Ryan or Nelson for my money. Um, okay, uh, uh, Big Al, Al Smizzle there in the in the twelve hole. Uh, this is another team that got a lot of grief because it's got obvious problems. And I think when you've got somebody like Al, someone who's as smart as Al, and there's an obvious problem, the question isn't, you know, hey, why did you forget about running back? The question is, why did you decide to do it this way? And I think the answer to that question is pretty obvious. First of all, he's got Kenyon Drake, so it's not like he doesn't have a running back. He's, he's got a legit number one. Then Tyreek Hill, Thielen, Ertz, Gallup, Debo, good, solid players all with ceiling. Russell Wilson, good, solid quarterback, didn't reach. He's in the seventh round. Hayden Hurst, a second tight end in the eighth, who I think has got a ton of upside, leaning into the scoring system. And then what he does is he takes a bunch of upside running backs to be his two-back, Madison, Pollard. Justin Jackson, Geo, Jalen Samuels. I mean, I don't love this, but what he's doing is obvious. He's he's playing into the tournament angle here. If he gets one of these running backs, if if you know, if if Dalvin goes down, if Zeke goes down, or if Dallas has more of a share than people think, if anything happens to Eckler, right? If Gio Bernard lands on another team where he gets some opportunity, there's a lot of ways where that second running back can hit. And if it hits, he's going to be really freaking good. So I, 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 I like what Al did. He's playing for the long thing. I think he's trying to go for the big money towards the end. It makes sense that he's a DFS guy. So uh, I don't have a problem with what Al did. I think his team, you know, I think if you want to look at you know, which teams can go south the easiest in the 11-week season? Yeah, he's, he's definitely one of those teams. But I, don't, I think he embraced that risk. It wasn't an accident, I think is the point I'm trying to make. Okay, so that's my take on all 11 teams other than my own. 
We're still under a half hour, so hopefully I'm not going to take more than five minutes or so on my team. Good luck on that. <laughs> but I want to talk through this and just sort of share what I was thinking in each pick. And in some cases, I maybe wasn't thinking enough. Um, mixing with my first, first pick, he was my sort of rope hold guy. Um, you know, I was looking at him or Henry or maybe Kelsey. And the reason I went Mixon is I like the Bengals' improvements. I like what could happen now when there's so much talent at receiver and a better quarterback. Teams are not going to be able to key on Mixon. I think it's finally going to be time for him to get more targets in the pass game and more volume overall. I think Mixon, unless Mixon gets hurt, I think he's going to be a monster this year. So I was very comfortable with that at, at eight. The reason I took him over Henry is not so much passing game usage. Is Henry's got a brutally tough early schedule, and in an 11-week season... I'd rather go with the loose Bengals who are going to be in high-scoring games than the tight-fisted Titans who are willing to win ugly. So that was really why I went mixing over Henry. But I'll be honest, it was a very tough decision. I, I, you know, I'd say right up until ten seconds before I pulled the trigger, I was still thinking, well, maybe Henry. It was, it's close. So, you know, it, it, the format had a lot to do with it. In, you know. For what it's worth. Second round, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I've talked about this already a little bit. I'm not downgrading Nuke one iota for the team switch. Does it increase risk? Maybe, but I think it increases upside too. I love him in this wide open scheme, and I don't think you're, you know, you can argue quarterback upgrade in some ways. It's certainly not a downgrade, okay? Um, so I, I'm a big fan of Kyler, as most of you know, um, and I think his mobility combined with DeAndre Hopkins' wonderful instincts when the play breaks down, I think we're going to see a lot of extended plays that end up as big plays to nuke. Um, and while his target volume can come down, I think his big play potential is going up. And, and, I mean, dear God, I, it's not like I paid full price. I got, a, I got nuke in the second round. So I'm loving that. Um, third round Robinson was a little bit of a consolation prize. As I mentioned, I was hoping to get either Gordon or maybe Connor. Uh, and my real hope... Um, was to get Odell Beckham. Didn't work out. So Allen Robinson, sort of a little bit of a safety pick. Uh, but hey, if I get enough games with Foles at quarterback, who knows? Maybe I could really win out on that pick. I'm certainly comfortable with it. Allen Robinson has proven that he's got a floor no matter who the effing quarterback is. So I've got a comfort level there. Lamar Jackson on the fourth is just straight up, you know what, I wanted some ceiling to my team. And it's, you know, I don't like going quarterback in the fourth. My plan was to wait really late in this draft. But you want upside in, this league, in these leagues. I don't think, and I think one of the reasons people are holding off on Lamar in some of these drafts is they think that they're going to start protecting him and having him run less. You know, if they were coming off a Super Bowl victory, I could see that. But this is a team that needs to win. They need to win this year or next, or they're going to be playing with big, old, expensive Lamar quarterback. Right now, they've got a relatively inexpensive rookie quarterback on his rookie deal. This is a great window for them to win. I don't think they're going to start not running Lamar Jackson. Now, I'd love to see his volume come down a touch. I don't, I don't want him running as much as he ran last year. I'd like to see a 20% drop in actual carries. But then what happens when you do that is you raise the surprise factor a little bit. Because I think, I want to see Lamar with more back-breaking carries, with more carries where that, that come off of actual uh, pass plays, where he just sees it and takes it. I would like to see, I don't want to see any reduction in that. In fact, I'd like to see a little more of that. I'd like to see some reduction um, in the design runs, where it's just student body left or right. Uh, but I don't think... 
that the Ravens are going to be of a mindset to protect this player when they haven't won anything with him yet. The idea is to hang a banner. You know, then at that point, when you start paying him even more, then you might start... And, and by the way, and, and his ability to read the field and make plays with his arm is going up, you reach a threshold point where he's making more money, he's too important to lose, and he's gotten to a level with his passing where you're not paying that much of a price for, down, for, for pushing down the rush attempts. I don't think we're at that point yet, okay? So I think Lamar Jackson's going to run this year. Take that for what it's worth. Um, Evan Ingram in the fifth. Now, I had Ingram targeted for about this spot. What I didn't plan on was Montgomery still being on the board, and I, I may have choked on this pick. I, I, I you know Probably what I should have done is said, I'm taking this running back here because it basically undoes the problem I, I created for myself in the fourth round. Even if it's a pick where it's like, well, I don't love it, I think it sets me up to continue just hammering best available player. Now, the other side of that is I got Evan Ingram, who I absolutely love, and I think this new offense with Garrett running the show is going to be better for him than the old. He's going to come into the season fully healthy. You know, I think he's their best receiving weapon. So, you know, I think Ingram could be huge for me here. He's got the ability to outplay any tight end in the league if things go right, and I mean any tight end in the league. So the rationale for me taking Ingram is my usual rationale. It's the fifth round, and I think this guy can perform like a guy in the second. So I like it from that angle. But from a team-building standpoint, I did make things harder on myself with this pick. And, of course, Montgomery goes, boom, next pick. So come back around, and here's where things became gross. Here's where I had to do, well, what I just did. I had to take a deep breath, hold my nose, and take Mark Ingram. Because at this point, I need a two-back. Now, the good part about Ingram is that it locks me into when when the Ravens get inside the five, as long as Ingram's the back on the field, I should get a piece of the touchdown. I like that. But I open myself up for sure because if Dobbins hits, and Dobbins is talented enough to hit, I could have a real problem with my two back. Um, so this was not a fun pick. Don't think it was a great pick. Don't think it was a bad pick. You know, it just felt sort of gross. Um, now, coming back around in the seventh, um, this is one of those things where, you know, this is where you can, you know, throw me in the, you know, in the bin with everybody else. I, I have confidence in my rankings. I have confidence in my evaluations. I have no idea where TJ Hawkinson's going to go. For all I know, he'd have been on the board in the 12th round. I just don't know. Now, I don't think he would, but, you know, I think obviously he should be going ahead of the Sternbergers and the Irv Smiths and the Ian Thomases. But, you know, I think certainly Hawkinson is probably there for me next round. Well, I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is you don't know. And, and, and the thing is, that's why I took him. Because my paradigm, the way I want to play is I want tight ends in this tight end premium scoring. And I got him. Now, maybe there's some injury risk. Maybe my guys aren't. You know, guys who've already broken out. So I'm buying, you know, the future part of their curve here. And, you know, you can you can say, Pete, you took a risk there, and you're not wrong. So I, I accept the criticism on that. But for me, just like Ingram, Hawkinson has the ability to, you know, by week 10, everybody's going to be sitting there going, wow, Hawkinson might be a second-round pick next year. And if that's the way it breaks, obviously I'm going to be happy. He's got the quarterback. He's now in year two. We saw glimpses of what can be last year, I think it's going to happen. I'm very comfortable with the pick. Now, 
Let's go to some picks that I'm not as comfortable with. The next pick, Darius Skice. Well, I mean, I'm comfortable with it. Actually, very similar to Hawkinson. I don't know how much longer he's going to be on the board. And again, I'm really looking for upside here. Now, what's the risk with Geis? I think it's less than most people think. I think it's basically health. To me, he's far and away the best back left on that team. Now, 10 years ago, it'd be Adrian Peterson. But this is old Adrian Peterson. He can still do it a little bit but he's nowhere near the dynamic runner that he used to be. Geis, now a little bit removed from the major injuries. We saw him healthy at the end of last year, and he's got a healthy offseason where he can just sort of take care of himself. <laughs> as long as he doesn't get hurt again, and again, I feel like that risk is baked in in the eighth round, as long as he doesn't get hurt again, my money's on Darius Geis to, to pretty much be the guy in this backfield. Um, and I think the guy's a stud, so what the hell. I'm just going with my, with my grade on the player. Um, and I think everybody else is a little too worked up about the rest of this backfield. I think these other guys move out of the way and part like the Red Sea if Geist just shows up healthy and plays to his capabilities. Some folks will go, wait, what about Antonio Gibson? I like Antonio Gibson as um, a talent, as an athlete. I don't think he's ready to steal an NFL gig from a guy who's like a full-time running back. I think if Gibson ever gets to that point, it's somewhere down the line. Uh, and to me, he's more of a gadget at this point than any one specific thing. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that was the rationale. Ninth round, Rashad Perryman. Another pick where it's me going, you know what? I don't know where this guy's going to go. I really like him. I want a receiver that I think is going to get consistent volume. I don't think the Jets were a really good team. I think they're going to have to throw a lot. And, you know, Mims, I think, is a rookie who is going to have you know, rookie receivers going into bad teams. I don't, you know... I don't love that. Um, I do think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was a little bummed out that Crowder went. Crowder will be stealing volume. But the thing is, Crowder has never really been able to stay healthy. So, you know, there is some risk. Yeah, Perryman switched teams. He's always switching teams. I don't think it's a big factor when you're always switching teams. Um, he, does, he only has that one hot run of production, and that's totally fair to point that out. But the thing is, I love his skill set. He basically comes in, and he's Robbie Anderson. He's got a lot of similarities to Robbie Anderson, um, and he's better outside the numbers making, you know, in contested situations, I, th I think he's going to be better than Robbie Anderson. So I think based on the way I've seen Sam Darnold play, I think he's going to like taking shots for Shad Perryman. I think Perryman has a chance to be the number one weapon in the Jet pass game, and the, Jet may, the Jets may be a team that needs to pass a lot. Therefore, getting him in the ninth round, even though maybe I could have gotten him around two, three, four rounds later for all I know, I don't care. I'm fine with it because I like what I got, okay? Tenth round, Duke Johnson's easy to, you know, to explain. You guys know how much I love Duke. Always have, going back to Miami. Um, and, you know, David Johnson, I think, is a major injury risk with the back. So I'm just taking... A guy where, you know, if David Johnson goes down, Duke Johnson's going to be a three-down back with receiving chops uh, on a team uh, with, with a good quarterback. So, I you know, look, Duke Johnson could end up being just a flex guy that I use here and there, but one break and he's locked into my lineup. So I love the Duke Johnson pick. I got no problems with what I did there. Uh, Sammy Watkins in the 11th, straight upside. Um, could he lose his job? Maybe. Is he an injury risk? Sure. Um, is he likely to be a starting player with Pat Mahomes at quarterback? Yeah, and he's got talent. So <laughs> I love Watkins in the 11th. Um, Judy and Jefferson in the 12th and the 13th. Um, I wanted to stay away from rookies. I really did. Um, 
but and I would have taken um, Anthony Miller if he'd gotten to me. He went right in front of me. I pivoted to Judy. Um, I would have taken Paris Campbell, but he went in front of me, and I pivoted to Jefferson. Um, look, Justin Jefferson's big time. If there's an injury to Thielen, who's coming off a significant hamstring, that pick's going to be great. Um, Judy's going to be a starter, and as some of you will find out, and some of you already know, um, I'm a big believer that Drew Locke can deliver the football. He may not ultimately be the solution for the Broncos, but he's going to be the guy this year, and I think he's got the ability to feed a receiver similar to Jay Cutler. I know that's sort of a, a quick and easy comparison, but I don't. I am not worried about the receivers on Denver because I think Drew Locke can throw the football. Um, you know, will he throw too many picks and pick himself out of the league? Hey, maybe. But I don't think that's going to be a factor for redraft in 2020. Uh, Carson Wentz in the 14th. Uh, there wasn't really anybody that screamed out for me. Now, I'll admit that I was about to take Deshaun Jackson. And I was sort of locked in at Deshaun with that pick. And then uh, Daigle and Ian took him on me. So I was sort of sitting there going, hmm, what to do, what to do, what to do. You know, I I just didn't really love any of the receivers there. I thought Chenault would get back to me in the next round. Um, so I went with Wentz. And I don't regret it. Here's the rationale. And I, some of the people are going to say, well, why even take a second quarterback in a format like this? And you know what? They got a really good point. Thing is, I leaned in with Lamar Jackson on the fourth. And when you do that, you create a team paradigm a little bit that's going to rely on high-end QB production. So sitting there in the 14th, I'm really high on Wentz as a producer. If Lamar Jackson misses a month with an ankle or two weeks with a concussion, um, and maybe it's before his bye, so they extend it a week, and I'm sitting there, you know, three weeks to a month without Lamar Jackson, I can keep the boat, you know, I can keep the, the train on the tracks, whatever you want to call it, with Carson Wentz. I lose a little bit of ceiling, but I get all the floor. Um, I love what they've done with Wentz this year with the deep speed and the weapons. So you can argue that it's a little bit of a luxury item. You can argue that I'm tying up a roster spot. That's totally valid. But for me, I really wanted to buttress that QB punch. And I think I did that. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with the pick. Uh, Malcolm Brown next round is, you know, that's a Rotobond pick. I like Malcolm Brown a ton. Um, you know, the rookie has to get it up to speed in time. Um, you know, and, you know, I, and I don't really want to say anything super negative, um, you know, about Henderson. I think Henderson's a guy who could also step up this year and do well. Uh, I just feel like, you know, if the Rams get things going back, they plan on playing a lot of double, double tight end, which means maybe they want to do some power running. I could see Malcolm Brown being the goal line guy for a while, uh, which makes him a guy I might be able to get some use out of. Um, next round, I went Will Lutz. I probably could have not done that, um, but I'm okay with it because I'm okay with I, most of the running backs I was going to take there. I got anyway, so it didn't really hurt me. Same thing with the Bears' defense. Uh, I was really hoping the Patriots were going to get to me. They went right in front of me to Chris. You stunk me, Chris. Um, but, you know, those are guys. I, Lutz, hopefully, is my kicker all year. The Bears are hopefully my defense most of the year. Uh, and then my last three picks, uh, Edwards and Justice Hill, I think, speak for itself. What I'm trying to do there is make sure that even if Dobbins hits and takes half this gig, at least hopefully I've got the next guy. And since I've got all three other guys, I should, you know, and now I've got, I'm able to go through training camp, see how things are going with the, with the Ravens. I might drop, 
Hill or maybe Edwards before the season starts, depending on how things shake out, or I may wait a week or two into the season. But eventually I'll drop one of those running backs probably to open up a roster spot. But I really want to make sure I've got something in that running game behind Lamar Jackson. That's the, the rationale for those picks. Um, and in the 20th round, I took P. Ryan. I was hoping uh, that either Ty Montgomery, um, who went in the 18th, I was hoping he'd be there for me late. He didn't even come close. I was hoping McKinnon might be there for me late. He didn't make it to me. Uh, but you know, P. Ryan's fine. I think Gore at this point actually does have dead legs. And I think, you know, Le'Veon Bell, the Jets for whatever reason don't want to give him everything. So I thought, you know, and Bell certainly is a guy who can get dinged up. So, uh, you know, I like P. Ryan. I like him as a receiver. Uh, and he's got some size to him. So I figured in the, 20th, in the 20th round, on the off chance that he happens to come in and have a great camp, I actually like that as sort of an upside pick. But really, these last three picks, it's three picks, and probably they're going to end up opening up two roster spots for me eventually. So that's sort of the just that's sort of the rationale for my picks as they were made. Um, assessing my team overall, I mean strength of quarterback. Obviously, I think I have strength at tight end. Uh, I'm very comfortable with my receivers. Some people probably think I'm a little light, but you only have to start two and Hopkins and Allenson, boom, locked in. So really, the question for my team, I think, is going to be those two flex spots. Now, hopefully, one of my tight ends takes care of one. Excuse me. Um, that's not true. It's not the two flex spots. It's going to be my RB2 and the second flex. I'm going to be locked into two tight ends. I'm going to be locked into my top two running, uh, my top two receivers. Mixon's my RB1. Hopefully Ingram can be a good RB2 for me, or I get a break with Duke Johnson, or Darius Guy stays healthy, and those guys actually, even with Ingram doing well, could push him out. That's what I'm hoping for, obviously. So RB2, unless something goes right, for either, let, let's forget the late guys, let's just talk Ingram, Geis, and Johnson. As long as one of those guys goes well, I'm fine. Um, save for bye weeks or whatever. Um, and then you get to the second, um, the second flex, which is going to be either two out of the three running backs work or um, one of my receivers works, either Perryman, Watkins, Judy, or Jefferson. I feel okay about that. So you know, I you know my team's okay. I think if my if if my team lacks something, it might be like ceiling potential. Um, but you know, for me, my ceiling potential is Lamar, not necessarily repeating, but still being awesome, um, or my tight ends hitting. I think both of my tight ends have an ability to play rounds above where I took them, and it's a tight end premium format. So. The positive scenario for me is one of my tight ends hits the way I think they can, and then one of my running backs hits the way I think they can, and then all of a sudden my team's really good. Downside for my team is a couple injuries and I'm in trouble, and if none of the guys I hope hit, hit, I'm in trouble. Uh, in those scenarios, I'm going to have to do some miraculous stuff in the waiver wire. But you know, in a draft like this where everybody is tight and everybody is smart, and the teams that look like they may have messed up have real clear reasons why they went that way, you know, it's you're not going to just, unless this thing just happens to just fall perfect for you, you're just not going to crush um, a draft with 11 other, well, 11 really good drafters in me. So, you know, I feel fine about what I did. I, I have a feeling that most of the people in this draft walked out feeling pretty okay with what they did. Um, it's the nature of being 
confident. I think everybody in this room is confident and I'll include myself in that. So um, hopefully you guys uh, got some of value out of this pod. Um, take a look at the board. If you guys have any questions about things that went down in this draft, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Um, and once again, um, thanks to all the folks, the really good folks who participated in this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Twitter activity was a lot of fun. Um, and thanks again to Roto World for, for putting it up on, uh, up on their site. Thanks to FFPC and thanks to Todd again um, for inviting me to participate. That's going to be it for this version of the Rotobomb podcast. We got more coming. There will be Fantasy Highland podcasts coming up in the near future. Curtis Patrick's going to be on the show. TJ Hernandez is going to be on the show. Hopefully I can get wrecked fantasy wrecked on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have some fun with that. So once again, thanks for listening to the Rotobomb podcast. Onward, upward. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Shake it, shake it.